I know you can relate when I'm saying life is not always champagne and roses. And I'm sure this may be a German saying, but life sometimes gets us stuck in what our guest calls the muck. And when you're stuck in the muck, what do you do? How do you get yourself out of it? And how do you move on to soar and recreate yourself, especially when you're aging and thinking about the stories that we're telling ourselves that hold us back. And it's time that we break out of the age cage, move on to love ourselves, to accept ourselves for who we are and live a vibrant second half of life. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to the Empty Nest Reboot course. This is a six-week course for women over 50 that combines intermittent fasting strategies with Pilates and strength training exercises to help you lose body fat, lose some weight, feel stronger and healthier, and deal with all the side effects of menopause that make our stomachs feel bloated, hurting, and just not feeling well. And most of all, we want to gain more energy as we're getting older. So check out the Emptiness Reboot course. I'll leave a link in the show notes, and I hope to welcome you soon in the program. But for right now, we're going from muck to magic. I'll see you soon. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable, so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I am super excited to welcome Wendy Knox to our podcast today. Wendy is an author, artist, and uplifter. She used to be an award-winning creative director at one of the largest advertising agencies in LA, Los Angeles. At 50, Wendy lost her job and found herself stuck in the muck of now what? Then a life-changing experience with hundreds of red dragonflies gave flight to a new mission to inspire others in the it's never too late to soar. Wendy had her first book from Muck to Magic published and her first solo art show at age 65. 
She had the honor of being a regular contributor to the Maria Shriver's Architects of Change blog and was featured on Rita Wilson's Voice of, Ch Voice of Strength series on the Huffington Post. Welcome to the show, Wendy. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. This is so exciting. And I wanted to mention the Maria Shriver's blog because I read her blog every week. It's a good one. Yeah. Now, I am super excited because you came as a recommendation to our podcast from our mutual friend, Sharon Ufberg, who was a guest on the show before. How is our friend, Sharon? Oh, she's great. She's such a force of uh, positivity and joy, you know? Very cool. Now, if or when you guys watch the video of not just the audio, but the video, see that Wendy is sitting amongst a gazillion dragonflies and art. And we'll talk about this in just a little bit. But what got you into the boardroom first? So how did you get there to be a creative director, Wendy? Well, you know, when I was young, people always said, oh, you're so creative. You should do something with that. And, you know, it's not easy to figure out how to actually make money being creative. So I was very blessed. I used to watch television commercials when I was a kid, and I liked the stories and the ideas. And that's what I've always been drawn to. So I was 22 years old, unhappily married um, for one year and trying to get out. And I, my ex-husband at the time found this article about a school called Advertising Center. And I started going at night and little did he know that was my way out of the marriage and into this whole world of using my uh, my creativity, my love of words and images to connect with people. And I started at the very bottom writing labels for soup cans and worked my way up to be the only senior vice president creative director at a really big advertising agency. Yeah, that was my next question. What does a creative director do? I had no idea. I'm like, I'm going to ask you because that used to be your job. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever watch Mad Men? Have yeah. Okay, so you know Don Draper? Yeah. I was kind of, I started like Peggy, the copywriter, and I worked my way up to be Don, except without the cigarettes, the martinis, and all the girls. <laughs> but um, basically, a creative director is an idea person, and you work, I was the writer part, and I had a male counterpart who was the art director, and we worked on the words and the visuals together, and uh, supervised the entire uh, commercial or campaign from idea all the way to being finished. And then we supervise many, many teams of other creative people in helping them hone their ideas and get them out into the world. So were you very creative as a kid already? I was, I was, I remember my favorite memories as a child was when everybody was asleep and I would make these worlds out of Play-Doh. I remember making like a circus and decorating my room with like cartoons and drawings. And I used to make cards for people and I always signed it a Wendy original. I just always was very, very creative and, um, it was funny in the beginning, my career was all about writing, but I had a very good visual sense. 
And now at this time in my life, I'm feeling really drawn to art, you know, in a kind of an intuitive way. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Because I would think that if you're working in, in the boardroom, let's put it that way, which is you still worked in a very creative part of the boardroom. Um, it's like there has to be some innate feeling of, of when you grow up or that you've been fostered by your family or something like this that that made that bring out now later in life. Well, it's funny because (laughs) I, it's bizarre. I was a very creative child. And yet my parents, my mother wanted me to be a school teacher because she said it was something to fall back on, you know, that old mentality. My father at one point thought I should be a court stenographer, which Oh, and then they wanted me to be a lawyer. All these things that really had nothing to do with my real gifts. Fortunately, my ex-husband found that article. And once I got into that class of creating ideas in advertising, it was like all the lights went off. And um, when I first got into that business, I love the idea of touching hearts and minds with what you create. And I did, I did a lot of commercials for Honda and Acura. Those were my main accounts. And I did have some opportunities to do things that touched people or made them laugh or educated them. So it was very joyful. The boardroom that you talk about was not so joyful. That was, um, it was very difficult being the only woman at my level and the only woman that spoke up and uh, the men that I worked with did not like that very much. So it was very, very difficult to be such a free spirit in so many ways and have to contain so much of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the younger generation thinks that these uh, scenarios, just like you described it, are part of the 1950s that we see the woman at home, martini and cooking dinner, the housewifey kind of role. But those roles still exist very much so in the upper level of management and leadership roles. As you just said, you know, you are 50, 65 now. Actually, uh, tomorrow I'm 68. <laughs> Sure, because I heard this on the video you sent me. It's like 68. So when you think this is not when you were 50, you were in that role. That's not that long ago. No. And, you know, when I watched uh, Mad Men and that took place in the 60s, I mm-hmm. thought all that misogyny and all that um, chauvinism is alive. I mean, at least it was for me, alive and well. And I worked at an ad agency that really position themselves as family. And it was a very good version of an ad agency. And yet there were so many times that I was told to put a lid on it, you know, to let my, that the head guy at our client, uh, when I was actually told that when he got married, it was to the equivalent of a geisha girl. And that that's the kind of woman he likes and I should let my partner do the talking. So I don't know if you saw my paintings, but one of my paintings has a woman with a big red zipper on her mouth. Yeah. I drew that in a meeting and right at, I was doodling and trying to get myself through this really hurtful experience, demeaning. Mm-hmm. 
And right after I did that little drawing at the end of the meeting, I went into the bathroom and I had like a Holly Hunter moment, you know, in that broadcast news. I don't know if you remember when she just lost it in the bathroom, that TV producer. It was like I had to keep so much in and um, had to come out somewhere. So it came out in my art and in tears in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So I'm well, grateful for this life now that does not have that hierarchy. And that's that's good because when you were 50, you lost that job. Tell us what happened and how did it affect you and your identity? Oh, that's a great question. Well, so I had been sensing that something was wrong. And I went in and asked my boss because at the time, my husband was an entrepreneur, which I say is French for no health plan. And, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and my parents were having all kinds of financial problems. So we really needed my big fat executive woman job. And I felt something was wrong and they were having budget problems and stuff at that agency. But my boss didn't tell me because he was trying to get a new piece of business. So at 50, I ended up losing that job and um, found myself sobbing in my backyard. You know, I, for so long, I'd been building my way up this career that took a lot of energy and a lot of work. And I finally had gotten to the top rung of the ladder. And to be honest, it didn't really fit who I was inside anymore. I was doing this job because I had to, I had a child. I, my husband didn't have a steady income. I had my parents. So when I lost that job, I lost a lot. And like you said, also identity, because in our culture, especially I think a woman who works so hard to achieve this position, it's so much of what you do is who you are. And uh, when I lost it, I really needed to come to terms with who I was inside and um, without the title and it was scary and also advertising like so many businesses a very young business and it's almost like you have an expiration date on your forehead and um it's not that easy to get a job like i had and certainly not to get another one so that was pretty devastating um but my my help and my uh, support came from a very unexpected place, which you probably read, right? Yeah. Tell us more about that. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to interrupt you there because okay. I know you're on a roll. Let's go. <laughs> I was in my backyard crying like I did a lot at that time. And I said a prayer and I asked the universe, am I too old to reinvent myself? Please give me a sign. And I went for a walk with my little dog, Lucky, in my neighborhood. And I came home to my backyard and I was just shocked. The backyard was filled with hundreds of red dragonflies, hundreds of them. I didn't even have a pond or a fountain. I don't know what they were doing there, but they were whirling and swirling over our umbrella. And they stayed for four hours the first day and came back three days after that. For four hours each day. Wow. It, it was uncanny. And, you know, when I saw them, it was like, I felt like a little girl seeing a merry-go-round for the first time. You know, it was a very magical, sparkly feeling. But honestly, I was beginning to doubt my, uh, my mental wellness. <laughs> and I, Because I thought, am I hallucinating? Am I, 
what is this? And I went and got my neighbor who at the time was a lawyer and more sensible than me. And I said, Julie, am I imagining things or is this happening? And it was happening. And what was so amazing about it was I started Googling about dragonflies to find out why this was happening. And I discovered something I'd never heard before. And that's that dragonflies spend most of their lives up to four years crawling in the muck at the bottom of a pond. And they look like just these creepy, crawly, nondescript brown bugs, no wings, no colors, nothing. And they stay down in the muck for up to four years, shedding their old skin, growing new skin up to 15 times. I'm like dragonfly 101. And then one seemingly random day, something propels the dragonfly to crawl out of the pond up onto a rock or a reed. And there in the light in the air, her wings unfurl and she flies. She doesn't fly until later in life, the last part of her life. And that's when she has her color and that's the beautiful dragonfly that we all see. And who would have known that she doesn't get her wings till later in life. And so I asked for a sign and I feel like I got my life coach, the dragonfly. It was unbelievable. And everywhere I went after that, there were more dragonflies. You know, I lived in LA at the time, Los Angeles, and there were dragonflies on the 405 freeway flying across my car, the 10, the 101, Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard, walking to the doctor in Beverly Hills. There was a big red dragonfly. I, it was uncanny. And finally, my husband and I were up here in Ojai, which is this beautiful, um, do you know Ojai? Yeah, I couldn't, I didn't say it uh, in the introduction because I couldn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a tricky one. O-J-A-I. It's Chumash Indian. Oh, hi. So my husband and I came up here on a uh, little vacation and we were walking across the golf course at this beautiful country uh, uh, hotel and inn. And there was another swarm of red dragonflies. And I said to my husband, OK, that's it. Those dragonflies are after me. I think they want to recruit me. To they know I'm a writer and they want me to tell their story. And that's what I'm doing now, obviously. And it gave me this mission, this new perspective and mission on life to use their story to help transform my muck into magic and help others do the same. And so it was really. It was magic. I did not know all of this about dragonflies, Wendy, until you just told all this. Because I was like, one of the questions was, so tell us more about dragonflies. Because are they always red? No, there's so many colors. And, you know, I honestly didn't even know they came in red. I hadn't seen that. Usually I'd seen those little skinny blue and green ones over a pond or something. And I'd certainly never seen one near the 405 freeway and I'd never seen red. And since then I've done so much research on them and I've developed this hypothesis that certain color dragonflies mean certain things. So for me, the red was helping me ignite a new passion. I, I felt that, you know, red is the color of the heart and passion. And I think that's what that whole experience was about. Because honestly, 
my job looked really good on the outside and I made a lot of money and I was very grateful for that, but it did not feel like who I was. It didn't feel like it was feeding my soul anymore. And the work I'm doing now does not provide the kind of money I used to make, but I feel so rich inside because I know I'm on the path to doing what I'm meant to do. And, you know, I feel like I've seen black dragonflies and I feel like they're about finding your power and your strength mm-hmm. and blue ones are about clarity and vision. You know, I have this, I don't know if that's true, but that's how it feels to me. You know. Yeah. Now, initially we were thinking about naming this episode from uh, muck to magic. And then the more we talked about it, we did all this like texting back and forth and emailing back and forth. We decided that the title is going to be Breaking Out of the H Cage, Changing the Stories We Tell Ourselves. And this is where I really want to hone in. We all grow up with stories that we're told about ourselves, who we are, how we should behave, uh, how we fit into our family to begin with, and then in, into society. So we're, I, we're putting labels on ourselves. And I was just recently talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know, I'm the black sheep in the family. And we literally went down a rabbit hole because she's a psychiatrist, a psychologist. And she's like, oh, we have lots to explore, Heike. And, <laughs> and so it's like the labels we, we're, we're living by. And it's like, Wendy, how do we change the stories that we're telling ourselves? How did you go from uh, executive creative director position to Wendy, the super creative person that paints, that writes, that speaks on public stages, that has transformed her life to what I will almost say, what your inner you has been telling you, and you've been brave enough to embrace that new you. Well, how, how would you talk about that? Well, you know, um... One of the areas that that term breaking out of the age cage came to me because I was very aware that I lost my job at 50 and 50 used to be now 50 feels younger, but 50 seemed like you were old, you were over the hill. And if you hadn't done blah, blah, blah by 50, you weren't going to do it. So that time in my life. I mean, I remember turning 50 at the ad agency and my partner said to me, well, you're not going to tell anybody, are you? And at the time I thought, well, why wouldn't I? And then, you know, I was public about it and then I lost my job, you know, coincidence. I don't know, but I think we have so many rules, especially as women about age, you know, I think that's a whopper. So you say, how do you change your story? I think the first thing is to start figuring out what you tell yourself. Like I always say, I did a painting in my book and it's somebody's head and it has yak, 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 yak in it. And one of the things I think is to become aware of the voices in our head and to figure out where did they come from? So like, who told me that 50 was old? Well, for one thing, my mom was a really creative person, but she never had any confidence in herself, had very few role models, as many women, and had a lot of depression. And so I watched somebody kind of wither on the vine, you know, all this beautiful creativity. And she seemed very old before her time. She got 
really, really obese, really depressed. And oddly enough, at 80 in a um, senior home, in a nursing home, she started painting and had her first art show. But my example of, oh, when you get older, you're immobile, you're heavy, you're not productive. Those were the things I've had to work through. And I've had to find role models of women. I love reading stories of women who start something later in life, follow their passion or, you know, that whole image we have, like a lot of women feel invisible as they age. Where does that come from? Is it because we don't see ourselves in our value? That's what I think. I feel the outside world reflects our inside world. So if we don't recognize our own worth and the value of our experience, our voice, and the gifts we bring to the world, then nobody else will, and we will feel invisible. So I feel that really listening to the stories we tell ourselves and that society tells us is the first step to be aware. And then the second step is kind of like what Katie, uh, Byron Katie talks about. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? So to be very aware of the self-talk we say to ourselves. So like when I look in the mirror and I see the lines under my eyes, I'm going, okay, so why are you zeroing in on the lines under your eyes instead of the light in them? You know, why are we evaluating people or comparing ourselves to people based on how many wrinkles we have instead of the beauty of our spirit? I mean, this is all conditioning and it takes a lot of work to break through the conditioning, but the more we talk about it, the more we can support each other in that. And that's what I'm really interested in. Mm -hmm. When you say the muck of the dragonflies and you also talk about the muck of self-doubt and fear, how do you get from that place to self-love and acceptance? Well, oddly enough, um, I feel that by allowing ourselves to... So the dragonfly spends four years in the muck. So we, many of us, have spent a lot of years in the muck. And, you know, I believe the way life works is muck to magic, muck to magic. It's not either or, you know, it's muck and magic. So, but I feel like first we have to allow ourselves to sink into the muck. So we have to allow ourselves to deal. Okay, I have a lot of fear about this. Uh, Something that's going on with my son, for instance, is causing me anxiety and worry and instead of just flicking the switch off I mean which is how our culture teaches us you know people even dear friends they want to give you advice give you solutions they want to snap you out of it and we want to snap ourselves out of it but what I've learned is the only way to get out of the muck is to allow ourselves to go into it And when we do, it's like, you know, spiritual principles to surrender and allow those feelings to come out and to crawl around in them. That's when we find the gifts. And I believe it's the surrender and the acknowledgement and the feeling it is how we move through it. And um, 
it sounds easy, but it's really difficult. You know, I, uh, when you say that, it's like my family on my mother's side tends to never have problems. Every time you ask them, they're fine. Everything's great. But you know, it's not, and they're not willing to, to actually look at the muck. They're, 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 they pretend there is never muck. And so I'm like, I will, that's what attracted me to you too. When I read your book and your, your social media accounts, it's like, deal with the muck. Uh, you know, it is okay to be there. It is okay. It serves a purpose. And the more you muck around there, the more you learn about yourself. Absolutely. And I, I feel now I'm feeling called. I mean, for I've been I created a class and I've done a live speaking and sharing about finding, allowing ourselves to be in the muck and then allowing ourselves to use what we learn there to rise up into our magic. And now I'm sort of looking at this whole age thing through those eyes because it's sort of the same thing. It's the muck of what society has told us about age. It's the muck of what we've seen in our families and in the media and all the anti-aging and the Botox and the blah, 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 making us feel like however we are isn't okay, you know? And I feel like sort of looking at the cultural stories that we all have bought into, there's a lot of muck in there. and. Um, then working through that to rise above it. You know, I call it uh, breaking out of the age cage. And my, I'm realizing that what I want to do is to own my age, which is why it was really scary. I did that video you saw about when I turned 67 with this great group called uh, Girls Gone 50. They have this whole campaign in which women are owning their ages. And you know, it's scary. I mean, I remember growing up with this beautiful Russian grandmother who people would say, how old are you? She goes, darling, how old do you think I am? And she would never tell her age. And that was the message, you know, like we should be ashamed of it or something. So I'm trying to personally break out of that, but also not to be defined by age and to give myself permission to try new things and to challenge myself in different ways that I have to fight those voices inside. One of the voices I call Edna, my inner critic, and she is a bitch and she is so mean. And she'll say things like, who do you think you are? You're too old to do that. Or your art isn't good enough to, you know, just all those voices we deal with. And um, I think age, we all have a lot of transformation to do in that area. And it's, you know, also social media doesn't help us. You know, I'm 60. I'm going to be 61 this year. And when I supposedly look at some other women that are my age, I'm like, well, I look like this when I was in my 30s. But I also now in my 60s, I'm smarter. I don't want to live this lifestyle that enables me to be just looking that way. Am I weaker? Am I less worthy? No, but I'm sometimes, I have to be honest, I'm intimidated. I'm thinking I should do better. Oh, I yeah. could do better. Or, you know, these things, how they affect our lives. And you talk about this in your book too, the should have, the could have, and the, yeah. how did I get here? And why am I here? Am I deserving of this? It's, yeah. it is a struggle when you look at that. And then there's a small group of us that is saying enough of that. 
We're real. We have wrinkles. They're great. We have saggy skin. It's normal. Belly is no longer flat. That's normal. We're smarter. We are learning more. And I think what, you, what I love what you do is that we can be brave enough to just do and not think about what is Susie going to think about this? Or, oh my God, when the neighbors find out I did the sculpture, what are they going to think? Well, you know, um, actually on my bulletin board right now, I have a thing up and it says you can do brave things because I've decided to name my uh, 68th year, my year of audacity. And there's the voices in my head that tell me, oh, you should laid back. I mean, I, I'm around people sometimes who say things like, well, at our ages, we should did it. And, you know, I was thinking about this when we moved to Ojai, people said, oh, are you retiring? And I just in the bathtub last night, I thought of my answer. No, I'm refiring. I feel like I'm going toward things that ignite me, that light me up, even though they make me nervous, you know, and, um, like saying my age or one of the things I'm going to do, I signed up for a class to do a um, TEDx talk. Yes. And, you know, there's so many of them and you think, what do I have to say and who am I? But I know I have a message. I feel that this dragonfly message is a really important one because, you know, as women were often put into these categories or at people, you know, so it's like your middle age, your old age. Well, what if you don't fit into those categories? What if we are the age of the dragonfly, dragonfly age in, and that what we're doing is rising up into our true selves? What if instead of becoming less of who we are, we're becoming more of who we are? Maybe our faces, our flesh isn't as great as it was, but our spirits are more expansive. And I feel like we have more gifts to share with the world. So that's the year of audacity because I love it. <laughs> it's going against the grain and going against sort of my inner safety net. But I just kind of feel like if not now, when, if there's anything this year taught us is we can there's nothing for sure. And we might as well listen to our hearts and feed our souls because I think that is um, where we get our best guidance. It's not out there, it's in here. How do we allow ourselves to let go of these feelings? Well, if you ask my husband, he'd say, you need to have lots of Kleenex on hand. <laughs> so I think, not I one of the things I find is if you treat yourself the way you would treat your best friend which is I at least is how I treat my friends is allow them to feel what they're feeling mm -hmm. ask if they need anything be comforting and supportive but not try to fix it and I think that's what we need to do for ourselves I mean we had something happened in our family this last week that was very challenging and I'm not usually like this but you know who the goddess Kali is mm -hmm. Kali's the um Indian goddess and she's all fire and daggers and anyway she heals through rage <gasps> 
So I found myself enraged and I let myself yell. I went in my car and, you know, yoga in yoga and lion's breath, just like roaring in my car. And then I was crying and then I laid down on the grass and, you know, spoke to the earth to release these feelings. And I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. It's not always pretty. But mm-hmm. it feels really good afterwards. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we need to give ourselves permission to get it out, you know, however we need to, as long as it's not harm to anybody else. You know? Yeah, I think many of us are ashamed of those feelings and showing them publicly, whether, you know, if you're sitting in your car and nobody's there, it's nobody there but you and you or the woods or wherever, it doesn't matter where it is. But I think. I mean, at least I think that, oh my God, if somebody sees me, what will they think? And I know many women feel that way. And well, I'm not advocating going on the airwaves with this. You know, my husband saw me and he's a safe place, thank God. Yeah. But yeah, no, I understand. And I, I think there's a, a balance. Like, you know, in my blog, I reveal a lot, but I don't tell everything. Nobody needs mm-hmm. to hear it all. It's like, I always ask myself, what do I communicate that can be of service to others? You know, I don't feel like we should be uh, airing all our dirty laundry or, you know, every feeling that we have. But I think if speaking your truth about being nervous about aging or dealing with challenging things can Mm -hmm. help others, then I feel um, telling enough stories so that it's truthful. You know. Yeah, yeah. So how do you set yourself free from those old beliefs and move on? Well, therapy has helped. Go to Wendy, get a dragonfly or two or three or get her book and just look at what the story tells in her book about the shoulds and the coulds, haves and the, the zipper and all of that. My, you're talking about my book and it's, it's called From Muck to Magic, An Uplifting Journey. And that book I'm really big on setting the setting intentions and asking. So I asked the universe, how do I share my story of what happened with the dragonflies to uplift and inspire others? And it was interesting because I was going through a very dark period in my life and I wasn't feeling very creative. But then one day, I, I call it feeling your flutter. It's like the dragonfly. We don't know what propels it to finally climb out of the pond, but I feel like some imperceptible urge, some flutter, they don't, maybe they don't have a heart, I don't know, but something inside of them makes them want to crawl. I feel like something inside of me got me to go sit at my computer and I received a message. I received the poem in my book. It came to me in one fell swoop. It was almost as if the dragonflies whispered in in my ear. I, I don't know if you know about channeling, but I feel like it was a channeled message from the divine or the dragonflies. And it was, you know, my poem starts, have you ever been stuck? So stuck in the muck with the yuck and the guck that you thought, what the muck? And it takes you through the dragonflies journey. And then it's about acceptance and giving yourself self-love. So I always say it's the journey from self-doubt to self-love and So dragonflies, when they're at the bottom of the pond, they eat everything in sight. They're like um, 
eating machines. They eat like 10 times their body weight. So I always say we, when we're in the muck, we need to feed ourselves, not necessarily haagen but more feeding our souls. So what makes you feel good? How do you take care of yourself? Is it being alone? Is it being with a friend? Is it taking a walk in nature? Is it breathing, meditating, painting, dancing? You know, but really one thing I do is I lay on the grass, I put my hand on my heart and I breathe and I ask, what would make you feel good right now? And listen to what comes up because I feel like the answers are right here but many of us don't make the time or the space or know that we can ask. And I've done a lot of asking in my life and that's where the magic and the miracles have come. And the time my book came, after I got the words, I started praying to receive the paintings and I would set an attention. How do I paint self-doubt? How do I paint worry? How do I paint joy? And one by one, the paintings just kind of came out. I didn't plan them. It just came from somewhere deep inside, I believe. Yeah, I think a lot of women are afraid to, to experience that feeling because God forbid, if I allow myself to feel that way, what is going to happen? It's going to, it's going to change my life potentially yes. completely. But isn't that what old age or aging or yeah whatever you want to call it is all about to break out of the mold to get into embracing the things that we were afraid to look at earlier in life to look at or to be you know I remember as a little girl one of my favorite things was to paint and I used to do water I remember being in an art class painting um, watercolor and ink and it was very messy and my teacher loved it and I remember coming home and showing my mother and my mother was a perfectionist and she kind of turned her nose up at it and so for a very long time I didn't paint mm -hmm. and then when I was in my big job and feeling like so shut down and I had a child at home and no time to myself something told me to take this class called art and spirit and we would meditate and paint it was like an intuitive form of painting and oh my god my whole world opened up and now I'm feeling called more and more like one of the things I'm doing in my age of audacity is I'm turning our garage into what I call a heart studio and um to do more painting and like my husband is so used to me being so goal-oriented he said well, what is your objective in doing this? I said to play, to be joyful, to explore, and kind of to have the happy childhood I didn't always feel like I had, you know, and to give myself the space to expand and to play. And it's audacious because our minds tell us one thing, but our hearts and our spirits, and I, I feel like as we age, some of the clues to where our spark is or where our magic is lies in what we love doing as a child, you know? And so having the time and space and giving yourself permission, like hopefully as we age, we've already, you know, crossed some things off of our to-do list of life and we make more space. 
I like to call it my to be list, you know, where you get to to be who you really are and give yourself more space to show your true colors. You know? Yeah. What will be your final words to our listeners around breaking out of the age cage? Well, the interesting thing is when I, I did this little video about um, turning 68 and I said that it sounds so old, but every day I'm feeling younger and younger. I don't necessarily feel that way when I look in the mirror, I'll be honest, but in terms of how I feel inside, and I think that's because I have really been listening to my heart and feeding my soul. And I believe that I'll call it the fountain of truth. I feel like we're looking out there for the fountain of youth, the products and everything. I feel like it's right in our hearts. And the more we listen to our hearts, the more joy, the more self-expression, and the more positive juju we have in our lives. And I was reading an article recently where they said that people that had a passion and a purpose live eight to 10 years longer. And I believe that's true. So that was why I was drawn to your pursue your spark, because it's very much what I feel keeps us younger. And um, I'm going to be writing a lot more about this. This is part of my age of audacity is really addressing these things. And on my, um, on my blog at wendynox.com, uh, excuse me for being the goddess of shameless self-promotion, but that's where you can find my book and materials about this aging um, out of the age cage. You know? Now, with that said, where can people find you on social media and get your book, Wendy? You shameless self-promoter, you. <laughs> so my website is called wendynox.com. And it's, I had to be different growing up. So even though I was named Wendy with a Y, I changed it to an I. So it's W-E-N-D-I, Knox.com. So on there, you'll find my book. There's a link and you can get 20% off with the code MAGIC. And um, also on my website is my blog where I'm going to be really exploring this idea of the age of audacity and breaking out of the age cage. So, um, and we can find you on Facebook under Facebook under I have two, I have Wendy Knox, W E N D I Knox, K N O X, author. On Facebook, I have an author page and I also have a Wendy Knox normal page mm -hmm. and an Instagram Wendy Knox uplifter and um, couldn't think of a title for myself. So I've always that's I love lifting people up. So. It was a perfect title for you, Wendy. Thank you. So yeah. we're we're putting all the links in the show notes for you. Because oh, yeah. I always say do not pull off the road. Do not start writing while you drive or while you're out there exercising. We have you covered once the episode airs. You will have the links to get in touch with Wendy right there in the show notes. And I want to say thank you to Wendy for getting us from muck to magic and, and enlightening our lives with more magic as we're aging and beyond aging. Uh, so thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You have such an open way. It makes, I think I talked too much. Maybe it was, you were so inviting, you know? Oh, and I also want to ask our listeners, as I always do at the end of the episode, is 
when you're listening to the episode or you watch the video on YouTube or on Facebook, where I always post all of my content in Instagram, of course, let us know, reach out to Wendy and myself and let us know how this episode affected you, how it helped you move forward. If you have questions, if you're not sure about something and you want to know, please reach out to us because that means a lot to us. And we as women are in it together. And especially now we're all over 50. Wendy's going to be 68 tomorrow. Yes. I'm going to be 61 this year. So we're over 50. But no matter how old you are, if you're 40, you're more than welcome here. If you're 90, you're more than welcome. Because as we're creating magic and we're igniting our sparks, what better way to live is there? So with that, my friends, uh, we're out of here. Wendy and I have a great rest of the day. And we'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao. Ciao.